right, good evening. Let's all stand. What's that? Yeah, it's gone. Let's all stand together. We lift up our voices as we sing one of our mission songs. You're the word of God the Father across the lands, and then faith is the victory. Jesus come. 
good to see each of you out tonight for our evening service. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come to your house and gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I do pray that you would move in our midst, guide us, draw us nearer to you as we look into your scriptures tonight. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing one of our choruses, Thy Loving Kindness is Better Than Life, and then Onward Christian Soldiers. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands unto thy name. I lift my Shall pray. 
seated. I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. And the title of my message tonight is Seeing the Big Picture. Genesis chapter 1. And ladies, I am going to put that microphone on. So I know I haven't got it even on me, but I'm going to put it on in a minute. Okay. I know. I see, I see the concern in your eyes. And um, I just want you to know that I am going to put it on. But I have a different plan for tonight, and it's going to give me time to put the microphone on. So there's a whole system built into this. We are going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, I can read Genesis chapter 1, or I can find a very interesting reading with images of creation. So I know when you're thinking to yourself, who took pictures at creation? And I have no idea, but they have it. So let's go ahead and we're going to do Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to put my microphone on while that's reading it for us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens, to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. 
So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. might be a little different than me reading it. This you got a little bit of visual there with it. Kind of different, huh? Amen. Amen. Um, so tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us through those 30 verses, and we're just going to look at how that God had the big picture in mind. You know, we forget sometimes that all that we see and know was by God's design and creation. It didn't happen by accident. It's hereby on purpose, by God's purpose. So there are things I'm going to pull out as we go down through. I'm not going to go verse by verse. Um, you just read the whole text along with images to help you remember it. So we're going to go to certain pieces of it so that I can point out certain things for us to see the big picture that God had. The first thing I want you to see is in verse 4, where it says, And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And it's so interesting when we look at God's design and how integral light is to God's design. Without light, we could not live. So when we look at that, we understand that there's much greater meaning to light. God didn't have to create light. He could have created life without light. You and I could be living in an entire creation that's entirely different than what it is, but he chose to design and build all that he did connected to light. Light pictures life for us. You and I, as we come through the long Vermont winter, 
One of the things that makes Vermont's winter so long is how short the light is. In fact, they say statistically that suicides in the north, the far north, are much higher than suicides in the south, largely because of the lack of light. When we understand that, we understand that God himself is light. And that is interesting when you recognize that he saw light, that it was good, and that he divided light from darkness. And throughout the entire Bible, you're going to find that God uses light and darkness as a contrasting teaching. Light, light uh, being connected to righteousness and darkness connected to evil. And how the two cannot mix. So as we look in the scriptures, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 1. In your New Testament, if you'll pop over there with me, I'm going to read to you verses 5 on down in 1 John chapter 1. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So when we look at this text, we understand that as we go back to creation, at the very beginning, the very early part of creation, you find God create light and love light because he is light. And as we come to the New Testament, he reminds us that if we walk in darkness, we are not honoring God because we should be walking in light because he is light. So you find no darkness in God, and therefore it should be that in our lives, neither are we people of the darkness. As we, I want you to turn with me, if you would, over to the last book of your Bible, uh, book of Revelation chapter 21, and I want you to look with me at verses 23 on down in that text, as we continue to look at the subject of light. Revelation chapter 21 Verse 23, it says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So now we project in the scriptures all the way to the end. We're going all the way to the new heaven and the new earth. Here we are looking at that heavenly city, and he tells us, he says, you know what? That city had no need, that celestial city had no need for sun nor moon. Why? Because the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Isn't it interesting how here we are at the very first chapter of the very first book of your Bible talking about creation and talking about light. Now we come to the very last part of your Bible. And here, what again are we talking about? We're talking about light. And who is the light? The lamb is the light thereof. And who's walking in the light? You and I, 
them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. So you and I, as we go all the way back to creation, and then we go all the way past the second coming, we're looking all the way into the very heavenly city, we see that there's no need for sun or moon. Why? Because God is the light. One of the discussions that comes up is how interesting it is that God created light before he created the sun and the moon. When you read through your text, you'll see that he created the sun and the moon after he created light. Well, how could that happen? Because God is the light. The Lamb is the light. And you and I that are saved, we walk in that light. So as we look at these texts, we draw nearer to the truth of the big picture of God that all human beings would understand his light, him being the light. I want you to turn with me, if you would, over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and look down with me, if you would, at verses 78 and 79. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, Who's visited us? The day spring. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. And who is that day spring? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. He has come to visit us. Of course, he died on the cross for our sins. And why is that? So that his light might pierce the darkness and the shadow of death and guide, guide our feet into the way of peace. So as we look at Genesis chapter 1, and we look at verse 4, and we see God create light, he's merely manifesting who he is and what he is. And we see that all the way through, all the way even to the end of our Bible. Jump down with me if you would and look at verses 9 and 10 as well, because here we're going to see that from the beginning... God had a purpose for solid ground. Look down with me at verses 9 and 10. It says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And, and it would not have been difficult for God to create a globe of nothing but water, couldn't he? I mean, we could all be sea creatures. Wouldn't it be that hard for us to have gills instead of lungs, you know, or lungs, I guess gills with lungs, like fish. But that's not God's design. God decided that he wanted solid ground, didn't he? Just like he wanted light, he decided he wanted to give us solid ground. And that's interesting when you look in the scriptures, and understand that he himself is the rock. He is that solid ground, isn't he? Look with me if you would. Well, actually, I'll read it to you. Psalms 18 verse 31 says, Who is God? Save the Lord. Or who is a rock? Save our God. And then when you come down to Psalm 62 verses 2 and 6, say exactly the same thing. It says, He only is my rock. And my salvation. He is my defense. I shall, I shall not be moved. So when we look at the text. 
twice, verse 2 and verse 6, he says exactly the same thing, and that is that God is our rock. So just as he made light be a part of creation and all that you and I know, in fact, we can't exist without light, so also he decided as the rock, as he himself, the solid ground, he decided to create solid ground. He didn't have to do that. He wanted to do that. So that we might understand that solid ground, the rock, is essential to all of us. Psalm 62 verse 7 says, In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. He is that unshifting, unmoving. He is that the same yesterday, today, and forever God who is the solid ground. We find that he created solid ground so that we would remember he is the solid ground. He is not that shifting sand, just as the builder should never build the house on the sifting, shifting sand, but on the solid rock. And of course, as we've seen, he is that solid rock. Look with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And here we find that exact account given to us. And it is really good for us to step back and remember that our lives, just as all creation should be built on solid ground. So look with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And what did God do in creation? He built that solid ground, separated the seas from the shore so that there was solid ground. It says the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, the beat upon that house, and the one that was built upon the sand, what happened? It fell, but the one that was built upon the rock, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. God created solid ground so that we ourselves might understand that he is that solid. And we need that solid ground. While we all could have been fish, mermaids, and I think they call them now man-maids too. Mermaids. They, aren't they man-maids? Mermans. Is that what they're called? All right. I'm not really up on it, but I, now I've learned something tonight myself. So we understand that, listen, God could have done that, couldn't he? but he chose not to. He wanted us forever to remember that we need solid ground. We need the rock. We need him as our solid ground and our solid rock. Go down with me, if you would, also to verses 20 down through 30. And I'm not going to read that whole text because we, went, we heard it read and we saw the visual that went with it. But here we find that from the beginning, God had a purpose. So when you look at verses 20 down through 30, in the creation event, we see unfolding the very purpose of God. Look with me at verse 25, the latter part of verse 25. And it says, I'll read the whole verse. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And then read that last phrase with me. 
And God saw that it was good. Let's do it one more time. And God saw that it was good. So we all of a sudden learn what the purpose of God was. That he might do that which is good. That which pleases God. You know, the earth and all things therein were not created to make us happy. To glorify us. We're not the creator. God is the creator. It is he that looks and is pleased by his creation. It is he that looks and sees and he says, it is good. In fact, look down with me at verse 31 as well. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Today, I was, uh, I was texting with a, a gentleman who lives over in, where's that? New Zealand, that's right. I was texting with a guy in New Zealand today and he was talking to me about his ranch and his, his cattle and that kind of thing. And I told him, I said, you know what? I live, I live in a very beautiful place too. And I sent him a picture of the, of the, um, it was the Adirondacks, Louis. I'm going somewhere else with this, but that was a help. A rainbow over the Adirondacks from my front porch. So I had taken a picture of it because I saw it. It was just incredibly beautiful. So this rainbow over the Adirondacks, I sent it to him over there and he texted me back. He says, wow, you could really get used to that, couldn't you? You know, when you look at God's creation, and you understand that God looked at his creation and he said, it is good. We understand that part of God's, part of God's purpose was just to do that which was good. Now, unfortunately, you and I, what we see of God's creation is the marred part. We see it after the fall. But can you imagine how incredible it must have been before sin entered in, when it was in its beauty and perfection. So we start off by saying, yes, God had a purpose. And part of his purpose was simply to do that which was pleasing to him. That which was good. But as you come through this text, verses 20 through 30, we see that there's a secondary purpose in it. Look with me down, if you would, at verse 28. And it tells us, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So here we find that God has another purpose, not only to just create something that is amazingly good, that pleased him and brought honor and glory to him, but also he wanted to create something that would be a home. A home for Adam and Eve. A home where they could come together and sustain life and build a family. You know, the interesting thing is you find from Genesis all, to, all the way to Revelation, you find people. God created people. We're not animals. We didn't happen by accident. We didn't climb up out of the sea or climb back into the sea. 
We are human beings uniquely created by God. And he, re he uniquely addresses our needs. So here we find that he did have a purpose. A place for families. Families to come and to multiply. Uh, this morning as the choir was singing, I was looking at these young ladies and I was thinking, boy, they've got all these young ladies in our choir. They have young families. Don't you love that? I love that. You know, it's a sad thing to see in Vermont the child populations declining and schools closing. Our politicians should be alarmed by that. We need young families, don't we? Boy, that was a little weak. Every one of us was a young family at one time, amen? amen. And every one of our little kids, our, our grown-up kids, were one time little kids. Listen, it's God's design. It's God's design. One man, one woman, and a bunch of kids. That's great. It's a great thing. And so you see that it was part of God's purpose. He created a place for families, a place for productivity. He tells them in verse 28, he says, multiply. For whatever reason, we find in our state, we're, we're declining. And that's alarming to me as a pastor. We need to see families. And he tells them, he says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And then the next thing I want you to notice, what's he say? He says, subdue it. So not only does he create a home where people can live and grow and have a family, but he gives them a job. You know what? The Bible teaches us we should work. God has a big picture. He has a big picture for our lives. And here he starts right off with Adam and Eve. Even before the fall, what's he say to them? He says, you need to subdue all that I created. So listen to what he says. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God gave them a job. He says, I want you to, I want you to, to handle the world you live in. I was talking to a pastor the other day. Um, he, uh, we were going to a meeting and he, he called me. He says, can I ride up with you? So he met me here because I don't know whether you guys noticed or not, but gas is getting expensive. <laughs> Have any of you noticed it? So he wanted to save some money on gas. So we met here and we drove up. And out in the drive, we just chatted and talking. And as we were talking, we were talking about things like creation and God at work and all that he is doing and how that he provides for us. And when you look at this text, he talks about us taking the world we're living in, subduing it and having dominion over it. But part of that is being able to maintain and care for it, isn't it? I told you that I was talking to this gentleman in New Zealand. Not only did I send him a picture of the Adirondacks with a rainbow over it, I sent him a picture of my beef cows. Because he told me, he says, oh, I, yesterday he had to return a horse to a guy eight hours away. And so I thought to myself, well, this is a livestock guy. And we were... It, it ha actually had been prompted by a discussion about guns and it just evolved into all these other things. And I'm always looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. So I had steered it to church and family and all of that. And so 
I sent him a picture of my beef cows. He talked to me about, he raises cattle as a hobby. He's an engineer, but he's got cattle. And so we just talked, we talked about church. He sent me a link to his church in New Zealand. And he said, by the way, I went to your church. I went and I looked at your church online. Isn't it amazing the world we live in today? Isn't it amazing? So we look here and it says that God gave them a job. And that job was to look at all there was, the fish in the sea, the cattle in the fields, all that he created. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to work that. Subdue it. Work with it. But, but subduing doesn't mean abusing, destroying, does it? It means you care for it. You maintain it. How long would Brother Foster have barns full of cows if he didn't take care of those cows? Amen? Amen. How long would we have fish in the sea if we didn't wisely care for our oceans? Amen? Amen. Can't be dumping nuclear waste in the ocean and expect to have nice, healthy fish, can we? We've got to be wise in the way we care for all things. But neither do we worship the earth. The earth was not created for you and I. It's not our God. The whole concept of Mother Earth is a misconcept of creation. God created the heavens and the earth, and they all belong to him. But he did give us a job to be wise stewards of his creation. So he created the world and all the things therein and all the universe itself. He created it to bring glory upon him and to please him. But he also created it for a place for us to have a family and enjoy our lives. He created it for us to have something to do because it's good for us to work. That old saying that idle hands are the devil's workshop, that is not far from the Bible. Now, it's not a quote, but I'm telling you what, there's a lot of truth in it, isn't there? And as we come down in this text, I want you to notice that not only did he create it for, to glorify him, a place to have families, a place to work, but listen to what he goes on to say in verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for me. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for me. And it was so. So when God created the heavens and the earth and all things therein, when he went ahead and parted the seas so that there could be dry ground, and he created all that was upon the earth, he created food, sustenance. He created that which we needed. So yes, he provided us a home, but what good is a home if you can't eat? Amen? Armin likes to eat. He told me the other day, he said, you know what? I still like to eat, but I've, as I've gotten older, I eat less. And isn't that the truth? It should be anyways. And Armin's good at that. He does a good job, maintains it. But your home's got to have food, doesn't it? And God knew. And he created with the big picture, knowing that you and I, if, if we're going to have, if we're going to go and replenish the earth, if we're going to have children, that means that eventually they're going to become what? Teenagers. 
And if we're going to have teenagers, we've got to feed them, don't we? I see Jessie sitting on the back there with her teenage son. You've got to have groceries for those machines, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's God who went ahead and created it so that he could sustain life. So you see that God had a purpose. Yes, he created the heavens and the earth to bring glory and please himself. And yes, he created all that is therein so that we might have a home, something to do, and food to eat. From the beginning, God had a plan for mankind. You and I were not the accident. He had a purpose for us too. Look down with me, if you would, at verses 26 and 27. And here you see God addressing them. And God said, let us make man in our image. And I want you to note that he says our image. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He says, let's make human beings in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So when we look at the whole creation event, we see that God created human beings as a reflection of himself. You and I point towards God. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. He himself is the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We see that trinity there. We find in the scriptures, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 says to us, Be holy for I am holy. He wants us to be like him. Now, something happened in his creation in that Adam and Eve sinned against God and it fractured the creation with sin. But that didn't stop God from loving his creation. He wasn't happy with sin. We know that he hates sin. But he does love human beings. And how much does he love us? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He loves us so much, he would give himself for us. I want you to look with me at Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? It's interesting that God comes into the garden and he says, where are you? He wants the fellowship with us, doesn't he? He wanted the fellowship with Adam. Adam wasn't where he normally was. He wasn't doing what he normally did. Something had happened. Something had changed. And God cries out, where are you? And in your life and in mine, when we fall away, we hear that still small voice saying, where are you? Remember, you're mine. Remember, we're family. 
I died on the cross for you and you received me as your savior. Where are you? God's creation, it, 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 it takes in the big picture of God. The very first chapter of the very first book, as he talks to us about his creative hand, we learn so much about him and even ourselves. But we have to take time to look, don't we? have to take time to sit down and read through it and let God speak to us. That was my goal tonight, to just simply look back and see the big picture of God. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. If I could, as we get ready to be dismissed, I'd like to meet with the trustees for five minutes right here. Just five minutes. I'm not going to keep you long. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, I do thank you for your holy word. Everything from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation. Lord, we thank you for all the truths that are woven within the scriptures. We stand in awe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming out tonight.